Hi, this is Rise Rocket Radio, episode 209, recorded on Sunday. Yes, Sunday, the 22nd of April 2018, and the time at the beginning of the show is 12.31 and 11 seconds. Amazing. Yeah, it is Sunday. The Sunday show is actually back on Sunday, and it hasn't been a month. First of all, I'd like to say Happy Earth Day. Yes, it is Earth Day today. An event started in America to think about fixing the environment and keeping our planet in good shape and reminding others to do the same. So think about cleaning up certain countries out there and actually the one I'm in now. The Lost Week. Yeah, do you remember Dentist Hell? Well, now it's time for NHS or GP hell. You know, you talk about your health more as you get older. Sorry about that. But it has been really quite an unpleasant time over the last week. Or more than that, really, a few months. But it's been one thing after the other. IBS, followed by migraine, followed by a neck spasm. And if you've never had one of those, imagine a back spasm transferred to your neck. It's like having a root canal in your neck. Continuing shoulder problems, RSI, and I may have a cold as well. Just the cherry on top. I'm getting better now. But I probably do need an appointment. I don't want to go, but the internet's consensus is I should. I'm sure the restrictive time slots for making appointments at my GP is to discourage people from making appointments, and it's working. I do get a bit annoyed trying to communicate that I probably need to see a doctor, but... The lack of triage at the surgery's reception is really the least of my surgery's worries because there are increasing numbers of posted signs around and increasingly strong spoken warnings when you ring not to abuse the staff, which means they must be getting quite a lot of friction and quite a lot of unhappy patients. My idea is that GP boards need to have patients from other practices sitting on them, otherwise there's always the fear that something you say will get you blacklisted. Or maybe they already do that. That sounds like such a good idea. Maybe they already do that, and my idea is a little redundant. But it's been a total faff. I think the problem is my doctor is near a new and big estate full of young families with kids, and the planners underestimated the demand for services. It is really great having a national health service, unlike countries like America, who are unfortunate in not having that, but when there isn't enough cash or staff, thanks to the idiocy that was Brexit, it's a bit of a mess. The good news, though, see, I'm finishing on a high, is I do have an appointment now. It took three visits over three days to get that appointment because phoning was a total joke when I phoned at three minutes past the time that appointments 
were being made, I was the sixth person in line in a telephone queue. And I really wasn't prepared to sit on the telephone for two hours. So I drove in and booked an appointment that way and was told that I could have one in two weeks. That is how long I have to wait for a doctor's appointment. But at least I do have one. And hopefully they'll tell me that I have nothing to worry about. All these symptoms are a bit worrying, but what can you do? On a lighter note, I'm calling this section the poisoning of the single man. (laughs) A lighter note. I'm not sublimating my lonely life by having a dog or by elaborate cooking rituals, although I can cook, but I would rather do something else like writing, which means microwave TV dinners. And sure, they've come a long way (laughs) over the years. They're not as bad as they were, and usually it's okay. But three times now, I have given myself a stomach upset with, unbelievably, Marks and Spencer food. Twice it was with the pre-cooked chicken, something I'm now avoiding. And once, amazingly, again, it was with a Thai vegetable curry. You would have thought vegetables, what could possibly go wrong? The other thing that bothers me particularly about Marks and Sparks is that everything... Even things that you think wouldn't contain pork or beef does in the shape of thickeners. It's annoying because the print is so small. Small print, don't even get me started about my eyesight. We could do a whole podcast about that. But come on now, Marks and Sparks, make some food that I can eat. And seriously, I know that thing with online dating did not go well. In fact, it went nowhere. Thanks for your interest, ladies. But do not recommend that I get a dog. That is not a substitute for a normal human relationship. Sorry, dog lovers. Where am I going with this? Well, I'm going nowhere. So I'm off to trim unsightly man hair. No, I'm not. I'm doing this podcast. So onwards and downwards. No, seriously, I'll perk up just for you. The damnable book. The book. The book that never seems to end. I have only five pages to go. Five. Just five. Five. And if you are a writer, I'll talk about this soon. I have talked about it many times, but not for a while, because I said I wouldn't until I actually had something to report, and pretty soon I will. So that's good news. And to my fellow writers out there, keep plugging away. Same for all the creative media types. Let's talk about some TV. Young Sheldon. This is the Big Bang Theory spin-off aimed at, I suppose, really people like me. But that can't be working because I haven't watched it. And I don't intend to. Chuck Lorre, you're milking it, man. You're milking it. Just leave it, let it go. The good fight. And we're off the piste of Geek Mountain and into Vanilla Valley, which we will do a couple of times today. I am watching it because 
It is so well acted, and it looks and sounds sumptuous, which is, I suppose, the point. All the lawyers, especially Delroy Lindo, look as though they could be working for the House of Medici in 15th century Italy. Okay, people, don't write in. Technically, the Republic of Florence. Wait a minute, what am I saying? I've been contradicting everything I've been saying for the last few years. Please write in. Please, please, please write in. I do wonder if the star, also the breakout star of Channel 4's Utopia Series 2, and Ygritte, the wildling from Game of Thrones, do you remember her? Rose Leslie isn't just biding her time before Hollywood movie superstardom. And if she does make it then, she deserves to... Well done. Final Space. Idiotic spaceman and his cute but super destructive alien friend who is also a super weapon screw things up. It's that Simpson-ish, Futurama-ish thing again. I don't know if it's by the same people. And it's an okay animation. But I'm mostly over this played-out trope. I think the nearest thing I got to something like this and stuck with for a few episodes was Rick and Morty, but even then I couldn't stick it out. I have just seen so much of this, and I was there when The Simpsons first started. So, yeah, it's probably okay, but it's not for me. Billions. Rich Crook versus Angry DA. Wolf of Wall Street type businessman, played by the English actor Damien Lewis, co-star of Early Homeland, he was the Marine, remember him, is taken on by Paul Giamatti. I really like watching Paul Giamatti, mainly because of Sideways and American Splendor. It is also interesting watching Damien Lewis, an actor whose dad actually was a rich city dealer, playing a rich city dealer. I suppose the difference is that the character in Wolf of Wall Street is working class made good, and Lewis went to Eton, although he is playing a character who is working class made good. It's okay, but no. The Crossing. Refugees. Oh, how topical. But there may be, quote, bad actors, unquote, among them. Oh, how even more topical. Here's the twist. They're from the future. No. Killing Eve. Spy versus Spy with Sandra O oh in London. Given that premise, it might even be good. So why am I not watching this? Because I'm not really a reviewer, despite all the TV we seem to talk about on this. And frankly, I'm a little burnt out, and I'd rather be writing, hey, if you like Killing Eve, write in and tell me, and then I'll tell them. Who? Them. Out there. The listeners. And you can have the credit for doing some of this work for me. 
instinct. Oh my god, Alan Cumming breaking all the stereotypes in the most boring way possible. Ex-CIA hardman and now Poppinjay professor solves cases with police partner. Yeah, it's a not-so-thinly-disguised Mr. Sherlock Holmes and Dr. John Watson. No. Thing is, I like coming. He really stole it in Plunkett and McLean, but no. Mindhunter. Full of 70s kitsch and killing. And yeah, sounds like something we already know about and you know what I'm going to say. Zodiac. If you liked Zodiac, you will like this. I say in my notes might like this, but you almost certainly will like this. I watched the first season and it's probably going to have another few seasons, but I am done now. I had my fill of 70s Kitchen Killing from the first season. It's very good, but that's it for me. Lost in Space, same story. I'm only in this for one season. It's good if you can get over the gruff marine Mr. Robinson. This is very enjoyable and nice to see something more kid-oriented, even for big kids like me, as I do get tired of the same old grimdark. Danger, Will Robinson, danger! The Expanse, Season 3. Bobby Draper and Christian Avasarala are on a hygie burn running from the UN on Julie Mao's racing ship, the Razorback. Because Sadavir Ehrenreit, the Undersecretary of the United Nations, wants her dead so as not to impede his war on Mars, which is what he has been after for a very long time. Our good ship, the Rosinante is renamed and off to try and find Praxidike Mang's daughter. It's mostly very exciting, though lagging a bit in the UN scenes now that Avasarala isn't there. Oh, and yeah, I'm lowering the tone, but I'd give Drummer a lift on a high G racing ship any time she asks. Upside down crunches. Oh my. Legion Season 2. David Haller is back, and this time we get to see Amal Farouk, the Shadow King. I was wondering how Marvel would play this. And, you know, given the nasty state of politics, I wondered if the boss, as in boss fight boss, would be a racist, orientalist, throwback caricature. Apparently not. He's a well-dressed, slightly dandy, sophisticated lunatic like Martin Chatwin, the bad guy from The Magicians. Oh, and by the way, he is played by Iranian-American actor Navid Negaban. 
I don't recognise him from anything else, but he is very good in the role. The show, Legion, is of course still good, still very strange. Don't watch if you're tripping, (laughs) or have the flu, because it's going to send you off the edge, man. And it has the occasional touch of horror. There's... And this is where it falls down a bit. Also, a dance scene. Oh dear. Please, don't make Dan Stevens dance ever again. Please. He is a better dancer than me, but that's not saying much. So still, really, 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 don't make Dan Stevens dance. Also, believe it or not, neck spasms are a thing, at least in, I think, the last episode that I watched. Yeah, imagine that, and imagine my total lack of delight. But apart from those two little quibbles, it's still great. Siren. If you thought the mermaid show Siren was over, as I did last time, and as I said last time, apparently it isn't, it's still running. Though for me, the first four episodes rounded off nicely a self-contained story, and I'm okay leaving it there. The Walking Dead. Yeah, only one thing to say. And it's very, very obvious, and I'm sure every watcher of The Walking Dead is thinking the same thing. Don't trust Negan. Movies. Stakeland, 2010. Now, what I want to know is why is this Walking Dead-ish post-apocalyptic, low-budget vampire flick so highly rated by IMDb Rotten Tomatoes, and Empire, the UK magazine. Is this, as I cynically suspect, clickbait contrarism? I managed an hour, and then I just didn't care anymore. So you can't say that I didn't give the film a fair amount of time in which to improve... I lasted more than most movies. Most movies I would have waited maybe 20 minutes and then got a bit annoyed and just turned off and shouted an hour. And that was definitely enough for me. There are so many things wrong with this. A few of the things that I can point out in the short time that we have. That constant, pointless voiceover over exposition You know what it's like, I'll give you an example, it's like a voice comes on and says, It was a terrible time, and I bent down and laced up my trainers, while that character is actually being filmed in clearly a terrible blighted landscape, and while he is actually lacing up his trainers. You can see where I'm going with this. What the hell is the point of that? 
And there's one other thing that really made me lose it, and I think that this was around the time that I stopped watching. There's a fight scene in which this one vampire extra, hideously dirty all the way down to its very clean right ankle and nice black low-top trainer. Obviously, makeup and wardrobe buggered up. Probably the director too, and probably the editor. Which, fair enough, because sometimes you also get crap extras on The Walking Dead. Then there's the fight scene, and other fight scenes that are boringly filmed. Come on. Do some pullbacks, do some wide shots, maybe some overheads. Come on, what the hell is wrong with you? Look, overall it's competent and well filmed, but it is really boring. And no, I Kill Giants 2018. This is based on a better comic book. I know, because I diligently checked after watching this. It is about a girl who is hiding out in her own imagination from an appalling real-life situation. I was definitely reminded of a Terry Gilliam film, but this wasn't. Again, I checked. I was so convinced that it might be, but apparently it wasn't. But look, in its favour, the acting is good, and I did watch it until the end. Which I can't really say for Stakeland. Molly's Game 2017. This is about an ambitious skier who becomes an equally ambitious poker game arranger before it all goes fut. Jessica Chastain is... Unfortunately good in this, which is a pity because she's still carrying the taint of Catherine Bigelow's propaganda piece Zero Dark Thirty, which I just can't let go of. Red Sparrow 2018. I'm not even going to describe this film other than saying Jennifer Lawrence is great and totally wasted in this terrible Cold War drivel. Piawacket, 2017. Daughter, sick of mum, tries to off her with black magic, then immediately regrets it, as she should. It's an okay horror, with an only mildly shocking ending, I would say again that it was competently enough filmed and I watched it through to the end and the creepy sounds were good. There was, at one point, terrifying sounds coming from the roof, which I also get here for some reason, but they're probably squirrels or pigeons or demons. Or maybe squirrel pigeon demons. Paddington 2, 2017. Excellent. Really excellent. Perhaps the first was more excellent, but this is still excellent. And yes, I have repeated excellent 
a number of times. Because it is. I remembered reading the books and watching the brilliant TV show when I was younger, and though this is very different, it still works. It's like a nice, warm hug from Aunt Lucy from Darkest Peru. Black Panther 2018. Here's my non-review at last, because, as you know, I don't do reviews, remember? I just tell you what I think. I'm definitely not trying to do anything objective. What I did in each podcast was tell you a little bit about the movie, and now I've run out of patience, and I'm not going to do anything other than tell you that it's great. Go and see it. The only thing that let it down was a bit of dodgy CGI for the central character, which they have with all ultra-gymnastic superheroes. They, Marvel that is, like Spider-Man. Notoriously difficult to get right. What else can I say? Not much other than Wakanda, the country which is an advanced non-Northern Hemisphere nation without the scourge of colonialism or imperialism. So what's not to like? Of course I would like a movie like this. I think it's probably the best Marvel movie for quite a long time. Technology. Windows File Manager has been updated and open source. A chap called Craig Wittenberg has updated the old pre-explorer Windows File Manager, and it is now available on GitHub. Yes, Microsoft have actually open-sourced it. Amazing, and this isn't the only bit of Microsoft news this week, but wait a moment. Windows dropping multi-pane in Windows 95 was the reason I first downloaded Free Commander, which I use to this day, Free Commander 2009. Yeah, I've been using it a long time. My recommendation, and I have tried the versions that are available, is that you try version 10, because it has right-click context menus, which are almost a necessity nowadays. Nice one, Craig, and great to have a multi-pane file manager again in Windows. No multi-pane file managers in modern Windows in modern Mac OS X? I mean, seriously. And here's the other bit of open source-ish news. Microsoft adopts Linux. What? Yeah, they have, but it's only for their Internet of Things platform. When it turned out shoehorning Windows into it wouldn't work and would be terrible for security. I also found an article from PCWorld.com. I'm going to read from it now. Microsoft continued its unexpected push into the chip business by announcing Azure Sphere, combining a chip design a cloud security service, and even a Linux kernel to better secure billions of IoT devices around the world. Yeah, surprising news. Have you noticed how all these things nicely segue?
New Toshiba cassette tapes. This news back in March, not only new cassette tapes, but also high-resolution cassette tapes. But you say, or I say, the thing is, we're also running out of decent tape players. Yeah, have you seen the tape players available on Amazon? At least the new ones, not great, especially that terrible Groove E one. No problem. Toshiba are also releasing a new high-resolution boombox. In fact, we, as in my parents and me, started with cassettes, then went on to vinyl, and then CDs. Yes, in that order, because although tape technology was newer than vinyl, we were poor, and cassettes and cassette players were cheap. So, from my point of view, tapes are nostalgic, but they were a bit too delicate. I do remember a lot of tapes breaking, getting chewed up, getting eaten, much more than I remember vinyl skipping. But why analogue at all? Now, I'm sure this isn't why... (laughs) Toshiba doing something as hipster as this, but this is the reason why everything should not be digital, and that is bit rot. You see, eventually, the digital media we store things on breaks down, and that includes hard disk drives, solid-state drives, CDs, the lot. Whereas, while a physical thing, like grooves in plastic or chemicals in paper, might get a bit worn, it will still be there. That's why we still have photographs and wax cylinder recordings from a century ago. Given my previous music collection, and this is an ongoing moan for years, has gone stupidly digitised and hard copies discarded, and yes, I know I'm an idiot, I am currently in the process of rebuying a few choice items. I have bought a few CDs, but now that I've been thinking about Bitrock, particularly in this episode, I might just look at vinyl. Man, I think I must have paid for the same music at least twice, maybe more by now, and I can see those rotten music industry executives rubbing their sticky little fingers together gleefully. As for Toshiba's new high-definition cassette, no. For all those reasons, count me out. By the way, back on April the 1st, 2016, a similar claim was made by the same journalist who broke this current story in what hi-fi. The 2016 article was a joke, but this apparently is not. Sounds fishy. The C64. I finally saw the new Commodore 64-based hardware emulator console out in the wild in a local gadget shop. It's very small. The non-functioning keyboard frankly gives me the creeps, and for £70, I'm not impressed. 
you can easily get ROMs into the machine via USB to supplement the many built-in games. But those built-in games don't include any games I remember liking to play, such as Ring of Power, UG, or Stellar Wars. You can buy it anywhere, including Argos in the UK. And look, if you do buy it, let me know why you bought it and if you like it, or if you returned it. Maybe there's something I've missed. And now here's something a bit bigger and a bit more important, at least to me. We're getting gigabit fiber optic network. Well, probably not you, but everyone like me living in a select number of cities in the UK. Yes, city fiber have been digging up the road outside my home over the past couple of weeks. I have been so excited I took photos and bothered workers and read all the literature and went on the website and all that to report on this stuff just for you. It is a project to make my city something they call a gigabit city. Yes, they are talking about symmetric 1000 megabits per second, which is very fast. If you compare it to the BT standard broadband I have now, of 17 megabits, you can see with a simple bit of maths that it is 58 times faster, whereas mine's only asymmetric, which means fast download and slow upload. Even BT's unlimited Infinity 2 fiber is only up to 76 megabits, which is 13 times less. Although City Fiber are the provider, it is Vodafone who will actually be the ISP we have to deal with. Vodafone's relationship with City Fiber, I believe, is the equivalent of the relationship BT has with OpenReach. Now, I've had a look online and the prices seem reasonable, but after that first contract, the first blush, the honeymoon period, and when Vodafone are sure to have a certain monopoly in my city, I cannot see any reason why anyone would not sign up for this. What's going to happen then? I remember that Vodafone was my first cell phone provider back in the mid-90s, and I soon ditched them because they were too expensive. Let's see if they don't get too greedy. But in the short term, that is crazy fast and cheaper than BT. And as you know, if you listen to this podcast, I'm sick of BT's slow and noisy line, despite their protestations to the contrary. Making a phone call here is like doing so from the inside of a packet of crisps being tossed around by a badger. The only downside is the contention, which, surprise, surprise, City Fiber aren't really clear about. 
On the City Fibre site, it says the line is provided at a ratio of 1 to 32 or lower. So, at a worst case, I would be sharing with 32 other users, and if we were all downloading multiple 4K streams simultaneously, our 1000 megabits would slow to 31 megabits which is still almost twice as fast as I'm getting now. You know, that's a lot of calculations, and my maths could be totally up the spout, but that's what my back-of-the-envelope calculations told me. I say that they aren't totally clear about it because of a Computer Weekly article with Clayton Nash, City Fibre's head of product, who says, when we put these large ducts in, we can split the fibre, at most, eight ways. And often, most of those eight are not used right away. In the worst case scenario, it means there's about 2.5 gigabits of bandwidth to share between eight people. That means, to date, We've never had an instance of anyone's service being affected by contention. Nobody has ever been slowed down on our network. It sounds weird given how many people complain about contention in the UK, but because there's so much capacity, even if everyone jumps on the network at the same time, they never see one another. Now, his maths seems even worse than my maths, unless I have misheard something or fundamentally don't understand something. Um, I suppose at worst, it could be twice as fast as BT and cheaper too. And of course, I won't have to deal with BT anymore, which is always a good thing. But this reminds me of every single conversation I've had with a salesman when they say something like how much RAM? You'll never need more than that or how much storage? You'll never need more than that or and this is a good one why do you need such a fast internet? You'll never need that if you think this is unlikely just wait until everyone in Every family is streaming stupid amounts of data all the time. Not just because of 4K movies and YouTube, but you've also got to consider virtual reality and gaming and music streaming. It's coming, people. It's coming. So that's what's been happening in Roy's Manor. And that's it for today. I said it was going to be a half-hour show, and I've proved myself to be a liar. But what's happened is, as I've been doing the notes, there's more and more stuff that I hadn't mentioned that I had thought I had talked about last time, but I hadn't. And now that's all done. Hopefully we can get this down to half an hour. (laughs) I'm not promising anything. And now I suppose we're in the after-show segment. 
The only thing I really wanted to ask was one more thing. You've noticed all this TV that I've been talking about lately. It's been hard to miss, and it's been wearing me out. And I did say boring a lot, didn't I? But thank God I got through this lot, so I can now delete a lot of the crud from my playlist. You see, strange as it may seem, my love of TV and film is getting worn thin by the sheer amount. Do you think that companies like Netflix are overdoing it and should maybe cut back on the amount of content they are pushing? Let me know. I really would be interested in finding out your opinion of that. And also, if you are undergoing a gigabit infrastructure upgrade at the moment, perhaps let me know. If you are already a city who has gigabit internet, I think Bournemouth might have gigabit internet, and they might have had it since 2012. I think I saw something like that. Not sure. But yeah, if you do have something like unlimited internet, and I do get listeners from other countries, so I'd like to hear not just from the UK, but the US. And of course, Singapore has a ferociously fast internet. So if you're from Singapore, maybe contact me. Tell me what that's like. And how is it to deal with a company that has a monopoly? Although, honestly, we're pretty used to that in the UK. And I'm sure people in the US are also used to that. They don't have that problem with Comcast, whereas we've got that thing with BT. And... That is it, because I'm now pushing on towards an hour. How to find me? You can find me at RoyMartha.com. That is R-O-Y-M-A-T-H-U-R.com. I am also at RoyMartha.wordpress.com. I'm on Twitter at RoyMartha. Sorry for the state of my websites. They are in the process of being upgraded. If you like the show, please tell a friend about the show. If you hate the show, please tell an enemy you despise about the show. The more listeners I get, the better. Please review the show in iTunes. That would be really useful. And... This was Roy's Rocket Radio, episode 209, recorded on Sunday, the 22nd of April, 2018, and the time at the end of the show is 1.29 and 37 seconds in the afternoon. You were listening to the UK podcast for the pop culture geek, technology nerd, and creative wizard. Thanks for listening, and bye for now. Bye.